I really liked them when they first like 2017, 18, like I was I was like glossy and mad. Like you couldn't tell me nothing. <laughs> when that pink box came and the stickers and the milky jelly this and the you know they had their core products. I loved it because it was when I was starting to get really serious into you know taking care of my skin and trying to find a routine. And I would say Instagram had a massive role to play in in that, in like, mm. you know. And it was a time where I didn't know anything really. So I was buying everything I could. I had so many products, but most of the products were Glossier. And I just remember seeing people's shelfies with the Glossier this, and I was like, oh my God. So I remember that. And you couldn't tell me about no five pound shipping. I was buying, I still, I was buying it. I was happy to buy it. And then a year into that, I started to like pull away and realize actually the products are not that good. Hi, this is Sharice Kenyon and you're listening to the Beauty Me podcast all about beauty beyond the BS. This week's episode, as you might have guessed from that intro, is dedicated to Glossier. This isn't a clickbait episode. It isn't an episode about the demise of the brand, which I actually read in an email today. The Business of Fashion sent out an email today saying they're having a seminar it mentions the demise of Glossier and, you know, potential new ways for it to grow. And I was like, okay, come on, let's be real here. Glossier has not gone. And it's definitely not an episode where I'm here to bash the brand. If you know me, you will know that I was an avid supporter of Super Pure. I was obsessed with that serum, the niacinamide serum. I was constantly using it, repeat purchasing, and when it sold out for months... I think I was single-handedly just trying to bring it back. <laughs> I just wanted to do an episode that was like, let's have a look here because it's so easy to jump on it and create clickbait episodes and clickbait headlines and then nobody's really having any real discussions. It's the same single article going around that everyone's broken down into little pieces. So I just wanted to have a chat with a couple of people I do think it's um, something that a lot of people in the beauty industry are wondering about. You know, they're wondering what might be next. So I wanted to bring in some expert commentary, give some background, give my thoughts as a consumer and someone that's worked in beauty for a while and also speak with a consumer um, like Keisha, whose words you heard right at the beginning of the episode. We'll be hearing from Keisha again later too. But let's just do a little bit of backstory. The brand was founded in 2012 and the first products came onto the market in 2014. At the time, Emily Weiss was a blogger and the blog was called Into the Gloss. The brand Glossier was founded alongside Nick Axelrod, who went on to co-found current cult brand Necessaire, which I still need to try myself, and somebody else called Michael Harper. Building a brand like Glossier was a no-brainer. Emily was able to leverage content and community to create a cult-like following thanks to the voyeuristic qualities of her blog. I know that I was regularly checking in on that site. I just loved to be able to see into these glamorous women's um, beauty cupboards and that glamour came in so many forms. It wasn't just models. You know, you can see comedians, scientists, women in tech. It just satisfied that 
that kind of need to be nosy, which is why I even started a podcast in the beginning, that Into the Gloss articles would just give you this insight into all these different people, what they spent on, where they shopped, how their skin looked. It was a, I really thought Into the Gloss was and is a great, great brand. Once the website took off, there was also the hashtag ITG Top Shelfie. It took on a life of its own. I'm not sure how many times people have used that. I'm actually going to check it right now. Let's see where that hashtag is on Instagram right now. ITG Top Shelfie. Okay, it's on 135,451 posts. I actually thought it would be so much more than that. Um, the hashtag became something that everybody from celebrities to wannabe influencers were using to show off their own dressing tables, vanities and bathroom cabinets. Years later, in the US, two out of every five women aged between 18 and 34 know the Glossier name. That's likely down to the fact that Glossier truly harnessed the power of the influencer to promote its brand. Today, Glossier has three bricks and mortar stores and was recently valued at $1.8 billion, which is why the fact that on January 26th, Glossier laying off a third of its workforce, which is around 80 people, came as a shock to many. At the time the news came out, Weiss herself said, Over the past two years, we prioritised certain strategic projects that distracted us from the laser focus we needed to have on our core business, scaling our beauty brand. We got ahead of ourselves on hiring. These missteps are on me. Elsewhere on Reddit, comments concerning the layoffs focused on the fact that most of them were in the tech department. So a lot of people wondered, was Glossier really that big on tech? Instead of me giving you my thoughts on tech and what might be the way forward for Glossier, I reached out to Dulma, a woman who has become the go-to for business-focused TikTok content. Dulma advises growing brands, she breaks down business, she analyzes e-commerce, like she's become a, just a really interesting person to follow on TikTok. So make sure you follow her actually. I'll be sure to leave links to her social media in the show notes and I will give you her TikTok after this bit. So although the Glossier layoffs were almost exclusively tech staff, the first question I wanted to ask Dilma was if tech could be used more effectively to enhance the in-store experience. Um, I think they always have been really intentional and thoughtful about reimagining their in-store experience from the ground up. And they're almost, when you walk into a Glossier store, it's almost like walking into an Apple store, right? Or as I like to think of it, it's yes. like a beauty museum with all these sort of like props and, you know, kind of these really fun little experiences. And I I still think they're going to have a tech component to that. I mean, they invested in creating their own um, proprietary point of sale system, for example. And so that's something where they are incorporate integrating both the retail experience and the tech that's behind the scenes that we don't really see, but we experience. And probably it helps them collect more data on their customers and figure out how to deliver a really tailored and delightful experience. So I think they will still have that. They probably are just not going to 
um, do all of that in-house with as large of a tech team as before. Um, but, but their whole thing has always been about how do we use offline and combine it with the online experience to create this sort of flywheel where people go into the stores, post about it on social media that drives more sales overall online and offline. So it's this flywheel. And I think that's their strength. They know that and they're doubling down on it. Next, I asked Dolma if this is a make or break moment for Grossier, and she said they are still in a very healthy position. So what's interesting is that by any normal standards, they are absolutely doing incredible as a brand because they're still surpassing, I would imagine, nine figures in sales. I think they passed the $100 million in sales, annual sales mark years ago. And so they're probably still doing really well in absolute terms. But the challenge for them is that they've raised so much capital that they now have to IPO. Most potential conglomerates that could acquire them are probably not going to shell out that much, you know, billions of dollars to acquire this company that's declining in sales. And so they're kind of in this tricky spot where because of the venture capital they've invested, because they have this imperative to deliver return to their VCs, they, they, they're they stuck. Um, so, so in that sense, uh, relative to how much money they've raised, they are struggling. And, and I think they're probably still going to try to IPO. It might be that investors are pressuring them to think more um, about being acquired because I do think that they've probably been... Um, been pitched by conglomerates over the years plenty of times they've probably consistently refused and now they might be thinking wait a minute is that actually something we would want to do because an ipo is going to be really rough at this point um so so i don't think they're gonna die out as a company anytime soon i think they're still um in a really strong position and even if they were to sell at a lower price than they wanted to to a conglomerate that conglomerate would be lucky to have a brand um and a company and a team as skilled as Glossier. They are so good and they've created the playbook. They really have. And that's why I also created a series. The very first videos I created about Glossier were um, basically coming from my admiration for their strategies. And then I started to look into it more and realized, oh, they're kind of going to run into some trouble ahead. Um, but that's uh, that's essentially my prediction is they are going to try to IPO, but investors are probably pressuring them to maybe think about getting acquired, maybe starting to sell into Sephora or Ulta, which they've been resisting as well. Um, so, yeah. Just for the listeners that don't know what an IPO is, can you explain it in layman's terms? I know yeah, I understand absolutely. it, but I'm not going to explain it. I think you'd be better. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So an IPO is an initial public offering. It basically means, you know, Glossier has been a private company all this time. And when you IPO, you start to sell shares of your company or small pieces of ownership in your company to the broader public. So if Glossy IPOs, you and I would be able to buy stock in the company and own a small piece of it. Um, and if the company does well over time, the value of that stock would increase for us. So, uh, so that's basically what it means. And it's a really big event. And it's sort of like this milestone for a lot of companies. And it's very rare for beauty brands to reach that landmark. It's incredibly rare. And um, and so for a while, it looks like if anyone could do it, they could. I still think there's a small chance, um, but it's definitely going to be harder than people thought before. Finally, I asked Dolma to expand upon her why Glossier might flop TikTok video. I think she recorded that in November um, last year. So it's actually quite interesting um and in that video she mentions that emily weiss being the face of glossier could actually be a hindrance 
this was one of the more controversial things I said, and I still stand by it, but I think a lot of people felt um, a little triggered by it because they mostly misunderstood me. I'm not, what I'm saying is not that it's a hindrance to be a white female founder. What I'm saying is that if your organization has been very publicly accused of not creating a safe um, environment for its Black employees, for employees of color, then if you are still kind of peddling this aspirational image of the, you know, white female founder who grew up in a privileged setting in Connecticut, um, then that there's a dissonance there that I think is creating unrest in people who used to be loyal to the brand. And I think that that is, uh, again, something that they need to figure out how to address in, a, in an authentic way and not just in a sort of way that seems like they're checking off a box or um, kind of making these fake displays of, you know, solidarity. If you want to know more about Doma and what she has to say on Glossier and more, you can find her on TikTok at I am Doma. Moving on from tech, when Glossier first emerged, it definitely created its own niche. It had this super chill, unfussy, minimalist aesthetic that soon gave it a cult-like quality. It was one of the first direct-to-consumer brands that really worked and its concept of you but better makeup was the perfect antithesis to the contoured Kardashian look. So let's just look at some of the real heroes of the Glossier brand. For me, it's definitely brow flick. I have three of the easy-to-use brow pens. They're so easy to use. I learned exactly how to use them from Katie Jane Hughes and she put me onto the fact that you should always store them upside down. Because initially I was like, oh, they're drying out, but they don't. It's just that you need to, the ink needs to get into the actual brush at the end. So love brow flick. And I also love boy brow. I buy it in the brown shades and also the blonde shade um, just to kind of thicken and lighten my eyebrows a bit. But I know a lot of people, the key product from Glossier is cloud paint. It's very easy to use. It's a light, creamy blush, almost gel-like, that just everybody bought into, and for good reason. It's definitely, you know, the Glossier makeup aesthetic is very barely there, and Cloud Paint really fits that description, but it is buildable, and they've got a great range of shades. Like, women of every skin tone that I know use Glossier Cloud Paint. So... What are the other reasons why we love Glossier? I remember a while back, a former guest, Joy Matashi, said that she loved that Glossier gave her the opportunity to just do tap-tap makeup. That's what she called it. It made makeup easy. It was about a little dab here and a tap-tap there, and we could do a full face in five minutes. You didn't really need a steady hand. You didn't need a load of brushes. You could just tap and you're good to go. I did buy a few of those Lidstar liquid eye products, which many of us agreed kind of did nothing once we applied them. But then we just dab on a little bit more. And yeah, it was it was pretty good. A Glossier face was, you know, it was such an easy thing to do, especially if you were feeling good in your skin, which I'll come back to later. Another reason we fell in love with Glossier was because it was selling us a beautiful dream. As one Reddit user, Blondie Commie, summed up, I always thought Glossier was selling an aspiration rather than a makeup product. 
aspiration to be an upper-class, beautiful, successful girl boss who spends 5k a year on her looks, spelled L-E-W-K-S, obviously, and looks effortlessly cool. But while there's still a ton of love for Grossier, in particular its latest launch, After Bomb, elsewhere others are questioning why it still only ships to the United States, Canada, the UK, Ireland, France, Sweden and Denmark. I feel quite ignorant that I did not know the rest of the world didn't have access to Glossier. I think because it's just become such an omnipresence on social media, I had no clue. And it's made me wonder why, because surely if your thing is selling direct to consumer, you need to be able to reach everyone. A friend of mine who lives in Italy said she couldn't be bothered with a brand that doesn't make its products available worldwide. And it's baffling that a non-luxury brand would pay so little attention to accessibility. On Reddit, again, an Australian user called Flippantry said they're overweighting for Glossier too. They said... I might just be a salty Australian, but I know one way they could increase some dollars, offering their internationally, for f**k's sake. I know they have some other countries that they send to, but their exclusivity has peeved me off when they have little excuse for not shipping worldwide apart from maintaining that exclusive cool girl status. So it's clear nobody cares about being a cool girl anymore. They just want the products. An article I read over on High Snobiety by Alexandra Pauly said... Don't use all that makeup. You're beautiful, Glossier said. But you should have perfect skin, feathered eyebrows and a marble bathroom filled with natural light. Um, So, yeah, there's definitely that comment about perfect skin. As I mentioned earlier, you could do a quick face with Glossier and when you're feeling good in your skin, it's great. But honestly, when you're having an hormonal breakout or (laughs) it's just not, it's probably not my go to personally. but. In that same article on High Snobiety, there was also a lot of talk about the controversy around the brand. It labels Glossier as beauty's girl boss supreme, flanked by the likes of controversial business owners Audrey Gelman of The Wing and Leandra Medine of Man Repeller. For those that don't know, the girl boss reference is to the founder of Nasty Gal, Sophia Amoruso, who has made some public errors in the past. Audrey Gelman was the founder of The Wing until an Instagram account outed them as a toxic workplace. And Leandra Medine was the founder of Man Repeller until she made some serious missteps. I'm going to leave you to do your own research here. You'll find it all on Google because I really want to stick with Glossier's own controversy just now. Back in June 2020, which was a traumatic time for black people and people of colour around the world after the murder of Minneapolis man George Floyd... Glossier itself was outed as an unhealthy environment as stories of racism and equality started to leach out. An Instagram account called Out of the Gloss began sharing experiences and soon Glossier had to do some backpedalling and apologising. And I do want to say that Emily Weiss was one of the few white beauty brand owners that at least tried to act like they gave a shit during this time. I'm sorry, I've seen... I was enraged at the time and I'm still pretty enraged when I see certain beauty brand owners or CEOs showing blatant disregard (laughs) for humanity as far as I'm concerned. But um, let's just bring it back to Glossier. Um, Like I said, I feel like Emily was one of the few brand owners that tried to be transparent as well as, you know, deal with the imbalances 
The brand's grant program for Black-owned beauty businesses was created in 2020 and promised to bolster equity, inclusion and representation in the beauty industry over the next five years. I appreciate that they have set a time period because it really allows us to analyze the changes that they activate and I want to see if they continue. So for me, it's definitely a case of onwards and upwards. It's not about cancelling Glossier, but I will be watching closely. Interestingly, the brand decided to close its bricks and mortar stores in August 2020 attributing the closures to the pandemic and asserting that Glossier was a digital-first company. Back then, Weiss said they would continue to focus on delivering an engaging customer experience on their primary channel, e-commerce. But that doesn't really gel with the recent layoffs and, of course, the new stores. There was Seattle last August, Los Angeles opened in November, and London's Covent Garden opened January this year. So why else might the Glossier bubble be bursting? Glossier was definitely one of the first brands to truly utilize the power of the influencer and the discount code. In the early days, it became a cool girl badge of honor to have a Glossier discount code in your Instagram bio. But some have commented that perhaps it's that exact process of focusing on just a slice of your market that has now turned against Glossier. Somewhere along the way, some people feel they forgot about regular women. They forgot about women with mature skin. They forgot about women with acne, people with acne. They forgot about everyone that didn't have naturally glowing skin. Who still wanted a piece of that glossier, barely there aesthetic. Not everyone could sit in their millennial pink underwear set and take a picture in front of their sun-filled window and caption their image, full face of glossier. Even the new trend for hashtag clean girl makeup is about using makeup to look flawless. And while Glossier launched its own skin tint, which I for one was never a fan of, it's just the fact that other brands are doing it so much better. For me, the NARS Radiant Tinted Moisturiser is far superior. And for many others, the clean girls right now are loving Fenty Beauty's Easy Drop Blurring Skin Tint for a look that's polished and fresh. Also, some are saying that they just wish Glossier would take a step back, go back to skincare. The hoodies might be super cute, but quite a few Glossier fans, they, they don't want merch. They don't, they're not trying to buy into everything. They literally want the products that do their jobs and are affordable and make them feel good. Another reason why we might be less enamored with the brand is because we've been inside what's become known as the Great Pause. Now that we're back out, we're still into glowing skin, but we're basically wearing more makeup to create that lit from within, barely there look. Also, we're actually looking to celebrate with colour. So that cool girl aesthetic isn't really cutting it for so many people. To quote Shark on Reddit, I'm generally a big Glossier fan, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're struggling. They launch more merch these days than they do products and have taken five, six years to come out with a true full face of makeup now that they finally launched the bronzer and it was a big letdown. I have to agree with Shark there. The bronzer for me is just sitting in my drawer. I think I've used it about three times. They continue... I feel like they've lost a lot of steam from their initial hype and relied heavily on brand culture instead of fully establishing a line of products that would stand the test of time. These days you can get everything Glossier has from other brands and a lot of them are doing it better. I feel that quote sums up how a lot of people are feeling and also, does anyone remember Glossier Play? I've got a feeling that somewhere there is... um, (laughs) 
there's a storage co- company that's got a lot of glitter just lying around. Again, I did buy some Glossier Play, but it just wasn't a repurchase for me. Finally, let's go back to Keisha Rachel, whose voice you heard at the beginning of this episode. I asked Keisha as someone who's very into aesthetics and definitely bought her fair share of Glossier. What could Glossier do to gain her back as a customer? I kind of feel like we've all grown up in a way. Like, you know, I think they didn't grow up with us. Um, We've gone through pandemics we've gone through not knowing like whether like what the jobs market will be out of the pandemic like what everyone's finances or career prospects or that you know all this stuff with like you know personal lives with families and being on the you know super hyper aware of you know your everyday actions and how it affects people so I think everyone's priorities changed in the sense that you know that that life that sold to us on their feeds is not realistic and it's not something that people really want anymore and then on the other on the flip side it's nice to have these distractions but it it can definitely cloud your judgment and we don't have time for this when it comes to like paying bills and you know if I'm really invested in your brand I want to get something out of it so you know I would, you know, I'm going to take that £20 or that £30 and I'm going to buy a lipstick from Pat McGrath because I know I'm going to see it on my face for the next six to ten months. Or I'm going to, you know, that £50 on the starter set and whatever, I'm going to spend it on the Pat McGrath or, you know, a NARS foundation because I know I'm going to see it on my face and I like the wearability and I'm not looking to be paying adult money for primary school projects anymore. We just want value for money now. I love glam. I love luxury. I love, you know, I love my fancy candles. I love my fancy things. But if I'm buying something or a repeat purchase, it's because I know it actually works. I don't know if they ask themselves, what do I want? What do I need? Like, they need to go back to the drawing board in the sense of, like, how are their staff or how are they as owners or development teams whatever how are they living now as opposed to then like what do they reach for now what is it that they think they need now and what they don't need anymore so that's it as I mentioned I wanted this to be a discussion around Glossier why we loved it why we're still hanging in there for it why we want to you know we're here to see what's next and yeah I'm not writing it off. It's never been about that. Certainly not bashing it. I want to see what's next. You know, maybe Emily's going to go start something else. Maybe they're going to have a complete rebrand. As you heard from Dolma earlier, they're certainly not struggling when it comes to money. So let's see what's next. I would love to hear from you. What do you think? Do you care? Have you had enough? Do you even buy Glossier? feel free to comment as much as you like over in my DMs at Beauty Me Podcast or even email me at beautymepodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. Are you a Glossier fan or are you waiting for the next big thing? Thanks so much for listening. If you did enjoy this episode, please do rate and review. You can now also rate the episodes on Spotify. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.